Hello, this is Pearls on Tuesday, where we aim to create and celebrate the beauty of everyday moments in extraordinary ways. Today's podcast is entitled Schooling Back When, Truth and Humor. As many of you know, I spent 29 wonderful years teaching children ages 4 to 14. I taught 20 years in a large public school and nine and a half more in an independent private school. I have wanted to be a teacher as far back as I can remember, setting up classrooms for my dolls and stuffed animals. To this day, I feel that I have enjoyed the most rewarding career possible. After all, having a hands-on front row seat to molding the next generation is nothing less than amazing. Schools, like all aspects of society, continue to change and evolve with each passing year. I saw many changes in the way instruction was delivered, the requirements of curriculum, discipline tactics, and best practices during my years in the classroom. Change is good for the most part, and trends ebb and flow. Teacher Appreciation Day is recognized in most schools at the beginning of May. During this time, students recognize their teachers by creating cards, drawing pictures, singing songs, and offering flowers. PTA groups sometimes serve a special breakfast or lunch for the teachers. In honor of those who work in schools, I thought it would be fun to take a step back in time and talk about how it used to be. Some of these things may surprise you, some you may even remember, but a good chuckle is guaranteed. So let's take a trip down memory lane. It is true that your older ancestors may have walked five miles to school in the snow and rain. Public transportation was not available, especially in more remote areas, and the rule of thumb was that children would attend a school no more than five miles from their homes. This was considered within walking distance. The one-room schoolhouse was a real thing. These structures generally had one big room with rows of desks. The teacher's desk was up front and usually on a platform so that those in the back could see. The teacher prepared lessons for all grades and took turns teaching each grade level and subject. While others were being instructed, you were to sit quietly and wait your turn. Many schoolhouses were heated with wood stoves. It was the job of the young males to chop the wood during recess and be responsible for keeping the wood stove lit and stocked with wood during the school day. At one time, teachers had to be single women, thus the term school marm. This later changed, but for a very long time, 
teachers had to resign as they became pregnant. Certain topics were just not discussed. Students brought their lunches to school in metal pails. The food was usually leftovers from a family meal along with pieces of fruit and day-old bread. In country schools prior to refrigeration, the lunch pails were tied to a tree branch so that they dangled into a cold flowing stream. This way, the food wouldn't spoil. It was not uncommon for lessons to be held out of doors in warmer weather. Teachers and students would spread out blankets or actually bring chairs outside. A large, shady tree was the perfect place to listen and learn. Curriculum was kept to the three R's for the most part reading, writing, and arithmetic. Science, social studies, history, and foreign language came about much later and often only through higher education. Children started school around age six or seven and stayed until around age 17. Graduating high school was not something that everyone chose to do. Many girls married and started families quite young or had to help at home with parents, younger siblings, and household chores. Boys often went to work with their fathers as soon as they were able to start families of their own. The school year was much shorter way back when. School was in session after the crops were harvested and never during hunting season. Home life came before schooling for most families. One of the major ways that schools have changed can be found in the way students were disciplined. Let's just say that the teacher was allowed to take a hands-on approach as he or she deemed necessary. For the sake of clarity, I will add that the word discipline comes from the Latin for to teach, while the word punish comes from the Latin word to inflict pain. Here are some common forms of punishment from days gone by. Standing in the corner. The intended goal of this type of punishment was twofold, to remove from the group and to embarrass. It was believed that if we made a child feel or look foolish in front of their peers, we would teach them a good lesson. It was effectively a way to shun, facing away from the activity in the room with nothing but the wall to see. Nose to the blackboard. This was also a common punishment. The teacher would draw a circle on the blackboard, which was always at the front of the room, at just the right height for a bad boy or bad girl to place their nose within the circle. The disobedient child would stand this way until the teacher felt they had learned their lesson. If you were caught picking on a fellow classmate, the offended child was allowed to draw your circle with the chalk. Children quickly learned that if you draw the circle too high, 
or too low. The sight of your friend squatting or balancing on tiptoe to keep their nose in the circle was especially entertaining. Repeated writing. Another form of punishment was to have a student cover the entire blackboard with a repeated sentence outlining their offense, such as, I will not talk in class, or I will not tease my friend. Sometimes it would take an entire day to fill the blackboard that covered the entire wall of the schoolroom. Getting paddled. Many teachers had a special paddle, usually wooden, that they used to strike the bottoms of an offender. You were most often asked to bend over the desk in order to receive punishment. One strike for each year of life was the general rule. Later, this form of punishment evolved into wrapping knuckles, usually with a ruler. You were asked to lay your hands on the top of a desk and you dare not flinch and move them, causing the teacher to strike the desk and not your hands. The dunce cap. The use of a dunce cap was also a common practice. If a student failed a test, could not answer a question correctly, forgot homework, or just couldn't keep up with the others, the teacher would make a cone out of paper or cardboard, which you were made to wear on your head. Again, the purpose was to embarrass you into doing better. Of course, the teacher quietly turned her head as your classmates pointed and jeered at the dunce. The kneeling game. Another form of punishment was to have a child kneel on the hard floor, holding a heavy can, rock, or stack of books on each outstretched hand. Most often, your time was up when you could no longer hold this position due to pain or tears streaming down your face. Let's talk a little bit about authority and respect. Teachers of the past were given a great deal of authority and respect. They were seldom questioned as to their methods, teaching styles, or grading practices. Students and their parents were expected to demonstrate this respect at all times. Here are some common practices families of students showed to the teacher. Gifts of food and baked goods. Families kept the teacher stocked with whatever specialties they had. These included fresh meats or turkey from hunting, garden vegetables, fresh baked bread, cakes, buns, and even cow or goat's milk. It was an unspoken rule that the families of students kept the teacher well fed. It was also a known fact that the better and more frequent the gifts, the kinder the teacher responded to the child. Sunday dinners. Teachers were expected to attend a local church each Sunday. After services, the teacher was invited to spend the afternoon with a student's family and were treated as an honored guest. Providing services. 
If the teacher needed a dress mended, she often sent the work home with a student whose mother was an accomplished seamstress. Even her laundry was often done by a student's mother. Fathers and sons painted the teacher's home or repaired windows, porches, and the like. In other words, whatever the teacher needed, someone in the community was there to step up and get it done. My husband and I were born in 1963, and we both attended elementary and high in a Catholic school. We received an excellent education and have no regrets. I will, however, share some lighthearted, comical events that occurred while we were students in this small parochial school. A bottle of fantastic spray cleaner. In about the fifth grade, a couple of boys in our class were acting up. Our teacher, a nun, dragged one of the boys over to her desk, picked up a half-empty bottle of fantastic spray, bopped him over the head with it, and threw him under her wooden desk. He was allowed to come out at lunchtime. Our third grade teacher, also a nun, was trying to teach us a new song from the hymnal. We didn't have a designated music teacher. Music lessons were hit and miss and up to the teacher's discretion. This teacher attempted to play a very small electric tabletop organ that was missing several keys in each scale. She would hit the most horrendous notes, both on the keyboard and vocally. We often had no choice but to cover our ears. I can't imagine that she didn't know how bad she sounded. I always wanted to tell her that she was hurting God's ears. Tattletales. On several occasions in elementary school, I recall friends of mine spending the entire day with a tail pinned to the back of their uniform. The nuns hated tattling, and if you did it one time too many, you wore the tail for the day so everyone would know that you are a tattletale. I've fallen and I can't get up. Beyond the entrance to our little school, right inside the foyer, stood a large marble statue of the Virgin Mary. Each time we passed it, we were required to genuflect a small bow. One day, on the way back from lunch, a particular portly nun went down to genuflect and hit the floor. We were stunned. She screamed for the boys to help her to her feet. I will never forget the sight of 12 little boys struggling with all their might to get this nun back on her feet. And you didn't dare giggle. Unsupervised Recess Back in the day, we had recess in the schoolyard each day after lunch. This was also a well-deserved break for our teacher. She would line us up and lead us to the back door of the school. We would bound onto the playground for 30 minutes. When it was time to come in, she would open the door or lean out of the classroom window and ring a large brass bell. 
I never remember our teacher being out on the playground with us. The only time we were allowed back into the building during recess was if someone got hurt and needed the teacher's help. But you'd better be bleeding if you dared to interrupt her quiet time. Recess happened no matter the weather. Never too cold, never too hot, and you certainly won't melt in the rain. Duct tape. I tended toward being a bit chatty in school. I suppose I still am. One day, while in the library, I believe around grade six, I was asked to stop talking by the nun who ran the library. I ignored this and continued to whisper to my friend across the table. All of a sudden, from behind my head came a piece of silver duct tape. The librarian taped my mouth shut for the, for the duration of my stay. Removing the tape is an entirely different story for another time. I wonder how today's school children will describe their experiences years from now. Will they seem as odd as the ones mentioned above in time? I bet they will. If we know nothing else, we can rest assured that nothing remains the same. In closing, I offer my heartfelt thanks and admiration to all educators and school employees. They have a job understood by few and are required to wear many hats during the school day. You are awesome and appreciated. Take good care of you and yours. <music>